Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Two-Headed Game Master. I'm Cosmo, the first head. And I'm Dane, the moldy 18th century novel head. Hmm. Two-Headed Game Master is a podcast about writing, designing, running, and playing role-playing games, where we discuss our favorite hobby, share our thoughts with you, and play some games sometimes. Cosmo, uh, what are we talking about today? Today. Well, today we're talking about a real fun thing, I think. Fun for everybody who uh, who has a foot in this hobby. Um, we're talking about the idea of character backstory. And we're talking about aspects of character backstory, writing a bio, writing a backstory in general, and why you uh, why you should bother. Because you, know, you don't have to. You don't. We... You definitely don't. So we're gonna make a case of why. But we do it, and you know we're gonna we're gonna kind of examine the ideas of why. Yeah. So also uh, components of a good backstory mm-hmm. once you decide to write one, and then a little bits about character arcs yeah. at the end. We're gonna talk about the idea of how to turn those ideas that kind of define who a character is and turn them into an arc of you know gameplay and story combined. But, so first, yeah, why have a backstory? Because it is not necessary. Yeah. And I think first we should talk about that idea. A lot of role-playing game products, uh, especially stuff targeted towards beginners or you know new game masters or towards you know like a new party, or you've played a lot of D and D, but maybe you want to play Cyberpunk now. A lot of pen and paper role-playing game products target new players or new groups and one thing that they do to kind of smooth the um the transition or the learning of a game is a lot of times they have characters pre-made for you a lot of good adventures adventure modules whatever however you want to call them different games different stuff but um a lot of products come with pre-written stuff and you know, not everyone uses them. I feel like a lot of people's inclination is to make their own characters, but you don't really have to. As long as, you know, it's written by someone, maybe it's mm-hmm. pre-written, you can usually do a good job and you can have fun. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't have to be a wholly original thing for you to have a fun thing, for you to have a fun time role-playing a character. Right. So there, there's a point in why I have a backstory, because... The, the basic sets and the pre-made modules and all that stuff, they have character backstories. Mm-hmm. So obviously, people think it's important. Yeah. Um, because it, well, it is important, at least we think so. Mm-hmm. Uh, it makes it makes for interesting stories. Yeah. Um, right? Like, all characters in video games or movies or novels all have backstories, too. Uh, the Master Chief says like six words, mm-hmm. has a backstory. Yep, they wrote a couple books about it. Um, and I would say there's there's a line I I mm, worth looking up maybe because I'm I can't remember who this is attributed to, but there was an idea that came around I think when Skyrim was fairly new. Someone from Bethesda was talking about how most of the story of a Bethesda RPG is meant to take place in the player's head. And I feel like that's a little less true in pen and paper role-playing games, but like a lot of your character's backstory is still going to, a lot of the story of who your character is, is going to be inside your own head. It's not all going to make it onto the table. It's not even all going to make it onto your character sheet, 
But that leads us into, you know, the next couple points. If you have that stuff, mm-hmm. if you've thought of it, you get it out of your head a little bit. So if it's just in your head, that helps you have fun. Makes the story more interesting for you. But it also makes the story more interesting for everyone else because it allows the game master to, you know, work it into the material. It allows the game master to make the experience personalized. If you don't have an interesting backstory, if you don't have any, like, hooks, then, you know, none of those hooks, there won't be any hooks in the story for you. So your backstory could be a whole half page on the back of your character sheet, or it could just be bullet points. Mm -hmm. Uh, Either way, it's it's out of your head and... uh, available for the GM to to play off of. Um, You know, make it customized. That's going to be more fun for you because it feels like, you know, you're actually part of the story. But also it helps, it can help the game master come up with encounters or, um, I mean, I guess, you know, because our previous episode about encounters, everything's an encounter. So helps them come up with encounters. Combat. And non-combat encounters, right? Because, like, maybe you're just having a conversation about, I don't know, uh, the Dwarven mining strike that your player lived through, or your character, right? Excuse me. Yeah. That your character lived through. Right? Mm-hmm. And that's, um, yeah. The And then the last little bit about, like, why I have a backstory, it helps you play. Mm-hmm. All that stuff is you know, fun, but, like, if you have something written, if you have an idea of, like, who their personality is, why they do what they do, where they came from, that sort of stuff, it makes it more natural to make decisions for your character. And the decisions that you have your character make will be more in keeping with the story that you're, you know, Mm -hmm. doing with the game that you're doing, the campaign that you're running, whatever. Really good example, uh, the Mass Effect series. Yeah. Right? So when you create a character, you get a backstory. And if you customize, you can choose bits of your backstory that directly inform, like, encounters. Maybe not necessarily your actions because, you know, you're free to choose whatever. But, like, if you're, um, I forget exactly what it is, but if you were uh, the lone survivor backstory, um, uh, somebody shows up on the dock of the Citadel and they were taken by the slavers that you survived or something like that. And, you know, you got to talk to them about it. Or if you're, like, the war hero, you get a bunch of shit for being, like, a, you know, the the guy who got his team killed, mm-hmm. right? But so that's why you would have a backstory is because it can come back in later and just feel more uh, immersive, right? So with those reasons in mind, I feel like this this is maybe the the most superfluous part of this episode. I uh, in general. Players don't need a reason to come up with a backstory. That's something that everyone kind of wants to do. But with these reasons in mind and, you know, the ways that it can serve the game and the story and make the experience better, the next thing we want to talk about are what are the components of a good backstory? Right, because not, not um, unfortunately, not every backstory uh, is a good backstory for role-playing. It mm. might be a fine story. Yeah, 
but it might not necessarily be good for the role playing. Right. It might uh, lack utility. Adventure, whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. It might lack utility. So how how do we make it uh, util- utilitarian? Mm-hmm. Sure. <laughs> so first thing we have here is like keep it to the tone of your story. It's got to be in line with the tone of the story. Yeah. This uh, this recalls certainly. I mean, I can't remember specific examples, but I know we've talked about this idea before. The idea that, like, you know, when you're starting an adventure, when you're, like, getting together to have a game, talk with your game master. Have your game master, you know, like, give you some direction about, is this a fantasy? Is this a sci-fi? Is this a, uh, um, is this a... Swords and sorcery. Yes. Friggin', uh, you know, Call of Cthulhu mystery. Because... Those decisions are going to decide what characters fit mm. in the setting, and that's going to directly and, inform your backstory. And it's, it's pretty obvious, right? Like, if you're doing uh, a high fantasy thing, you're probably not uh, a space traveler commando who, like, killed a bunch of aliens, mm. right? And that's even wackier. That's like, you know, having a story that's completely out of genre. <laughs> but if you're... Um, if you're doing a fantasy adventure and, you know, like it's obvious from the setting and from what your game master has told you that he's like going for a a Lord of the Rings type thing. Like you're going to be going on a big adventure and eventually it's going to become like fate of the world stakes. Mm-hmm. It would be incongruous to have a backstory where, you know, like your wife got murdered and you never found the killer. That isn't specific to like the modern detective story you could have that as your backstory but if that is your backstory and the game is about you know a trek across the continent to destroy a ring how's that going to come up you know you're not going to be investigating the reasons mm-hmm. why who you right. the reasons why you are who you if are if you kind of want the same thing your wife was murdered by orcs yeah and you're like okay Boom. I'm not trying to solve a mystery anymore. Mm-hmm. I just have like you know a real personal stake. This is why I I fight against the orc menace right. so hard because it directly affected my life. But don't make it an unsolved mystery thing. Right, where you're like, oh, did you kill my wife? Yeah. Did you kill my wife? Did you kill my wife? Because when you're arguing about whether to go over the pass <laughs> or go you know below the mines, did the, the pass l- kill my last wife? thing anyone's gonna want to hear is shit about. You know, this investigation mm. back in your hometown. Right? Like, oh, maybe my wife's killer took the pass, so we should take the pass. Yeah. Hey, we should just take the pass. I don't care about that. Yeah. So, uh, yes, keep the tone of the story. Um, it's, a, yeah, obvious, you know, you're not a, a spaceship captain if you're doing a fantasy thing, but Cosmo brings brings it back around with the, the whole wife murder mystery probably not great for a lord of the ring style campaign mm-hmm. but if you're doing a detective thing then great, great there backstory. is no point don't write a backstory where you're the lost heir to a dying kingdom if you're doing you know like gritty uh city city bound investigations because how's that gonna play into it you know on focus that's that's the point on target Alright, so keep the tone. Also, uh, we think that the best backstories are 
vague or short, right? So let's get into that because, mm. you know, that might be misleading, that title, vague or short. Vague or short. Um, so uh, we have these, I think, out of order. I think we should start with short, short. first because... Well, you don't. You didn't need to tell them that. Well, yeah, but I'm talking through it <laughs> for, for you as well as me. Um, so why should a backstory be short? Well, in many role-playing games, not all, but in many role-playing games, there is a stratified path of progression. Mm-hmm. D&D is a really great example. Pathfinder plays the same way. Call of Cthulhu has a you know a similar sort of thing. The Eclipse Engine, mm-hmm. our own creation, our which own you can creation. find for free yeah. uh, at 2HGM.com, is not like that. Yeah. Um, Neither is Torg, really. Torg yeah. does have a system of progression, but there's a difference um, in how much it affects gameplay. In Dungeons & Dragons, as a level 1 character, you are not very capable, and you're pretty squishy. And... A lot of people's first instinct is to, you know, try their hand at fantasy writing for the first time, and they end up with an idea about their character that is right. incompatible with their level there's, and their there's capabilities. There's several great memes, so yeah. go go memeing on the internet, um, and you can find visual representations of this, where uh, if you're starting at level one... Which is the most common place to start? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, maybe not. Whatever. That might uh, not actually be true, but that's whatever. the first. If level. you're starting yeah. at level one, your backstory should should be short and should reflect a level one character, mm-hmm. not not um, fucking. Uh, well, let's just not Mary at the end of Lord of the Rings, where. He's already, you know, rode in the Rohirrim, and he's killed the fucking Witch King, or helped kill the Witch King, right? Yeah. Like, a level one character can't do that stuff. Like, that's that's not... That's a really cool example, and, like, getting into Lord of the Rings is... I think think it'll be really helpful. The Hobbits are a great example, because by the end of the story, they have done a lot, Mm. and they have, in terms of who they are and what they're capable of, progressed... If you were to uh, represent it in terms of gameplay mechanics, a level one character is a Samwise, is a guy who, you know, has never done an adventure before. He might know how to, like, hit someone with a stick or he might know how to throw a punch. Maybe they, you know, have even soldiered a little bit before, but, like, by the time they get to Rivendell and they meet the rest of the Fellowship... You know, Gimli, Legolas, Boromir, and Aragorn. Those are not first-level characters. No. Those are characters who are very capable and have fought wars their whole lives and lived a long time. Mm -hmm. And if you do something like that, if you come up with, you know, your Aragorn-type backstory for your fighter or your ranger, you're going to find it clashes with the abilities you have in game yeah right so if you're starting at level one in whatever system with a progression mm-hmm. uh like D or pathfinder um keep it short as yeah. a backstory think about who the hobbits leave, are leave room to grow like leave a couple pages and uh, pages pages so. yeah leave leave blank pages to fill right. in Mm. Because your story is just beginning. Think about who the hobbits are before they leave the Shire. Those are great 
first-level character backstories because, you know, they're going to go on to be fighters, paladins, great wizards, whatever. But in their beginning, they are not. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you don't, you don't want to feel like they are before they are. Yes. Now, if you are not starting at level one, mm-hmm. if you're maybe in D&D starting at level five when you get all the good shit, mm-hmm. or maybe you're doing an Eclipse engine. Mm-hmm. You know, Playing a different system. Uh, you know, something that, you know, in our, in our system, the Eclipse engine, you basically, like, you build the character that you want, and that's the idea. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, exciting because you can be fairly powerful, mm-hmm. Torg plays the same way. We used a lot of Torg inspiration to to design the Eclipse engine. You write a character who you want to play kind of at the height of their power. And there is a little bit of progression open to, you know, like gain a few more points. Yeah, there's, and like, you know, we're not going to take away from any enterprising uh, game master out there who wants to write their own progression system on top no, of the Eclipse No, yeah, engine. certainly not. Please, go do that. Yeah, if you want something like that. But... Generally speaking, the way we thought of it is, you know, we want you to be able to create the character who you want to play as kind of at the height of their adventuring ability mm-hmm. with just, you know, an ever-present threat of death. There is still, like, danger in combat. So they're fully capable, have all their abilities. They still might get their head chopped off. Right, so they, they've they had... Uh, and. Maybe not. Maybe they've had a short life. Maybe, you know, their adventuring peak happens when they're 15. Yeah. That's okay. But there's probably, they probably have a more, um, well, a longer backstory than a level one character Mm -hmm. who's 15. Right? So. So instead of making it short, what we recommend is, yeah, keeping. Keeping the, uh, keeping the points of your backstory vague if you're playing a system where you start at you know, the peak of your adventuring ability. Keep it vague to the point where you can fill in details as you go or your game master mm-hmm. can ask you something about your backstory. Maybe they want to use it and you're like, oh, okay, hang on, I let me think about that. Mm-hmm. Keep it vague so that as you play, you can mold it to the story that's unfolding. And it doesn't have to be, you know, short and sweet like a level one because, mm-hmm. you know, short and sweet informs the abilities of a level one character. It can, you know, you can have lived a full life. You can be the heir of a kingdom, but you wanna, you wanna leave some, you wanna leave some holes in it so that you can fill them in later with right. the stuff that's going to directly apply to right. what your game ends you know, up don't, being. Don't forget, your character can grow. Yeah. Right. So, you know, maybe the you wanted your you want your character to have fought in a great battle. Okay, just say that. Uh, don't necessarily say, you know, who is for what side you were on, mm-hmm. because there may come a time in the upcoming campaign where that might matter. And then you can be like, actually, you know what? The like the war that you guys are talking about, I fought in. That was I my fought, big battle. I fought on this side. Or maybe that comes up right. you know, sooner. You have the idea that like, oh, my character is a is a war hero from something. And the game master is like, oh, that works really well because the setting of my adventure that I'm going to run for you guys is this. Mm -hmm. So, like, here's a great way that that plugs into it. And you're like, okay, yeah, I'm still this fully capable, fully realized character, by no means level one anymore. Um, 
And now with the input of my game master, I've filled in the blanks to like, you know, Lego brick it in really tightly Mm -hmm. with the rest of the adventure. Right. Um, So I just want to jump back to the short backstory real quick. Uh, Short backstory doesn't mean like I was born, I lived a couple years, and now I'm here. Mm -hmm. It's uh, maybe you lived your whole life as a farmer until raiding mutants came to town and you picked up your plat or your uh, scythe. Yeah. Whatever. Uh, and cut a couple of them down and, and now, now you're you go to war. Mm-hmm. Or adventure. I mean, yeah. Right? So yeah, short doesn't mean you're like 12 years old. Short means you have a really short resume. You worked yes. as a farmer and that mm-hmm. was it. And then the last thing on your resume is started adventuring. Right. And like, you know, maybe some interesting things happen that you feel like you know, you should note down why you were life as a farmer. Maybe you have children uh, or not, or maybe your partner died or whatever, right? You know, those are all good things to include. But again, yeah, like think of it like your resume. It ends with you starting to be an adventurer. Mm -hmm. As a level one, this is the start of your adventure. Whereas if you are a level five, say, you've been adventuring for a while, so you have a longer resume. Yeah. And you talk about like, oh, I action in such and such. Don't get specific. Specifics will come later. So, uh, components of a so, good backstory. Yeah, talk, so, keep it on. Right. Keep it in. Uh, keep it to the tone of the story. And we talked about vague and short. Last point is the idea of seasoning. Right. Well, what you're just talking about, right? So you're a level one gar- um, guy. Right, but you're like 42, and you've lived the farm your whole life. Mm-hmm. Right, add some seasoning in there. Yeah, and we're not talking about you know his age here. Right, we're not saying seasoned like they're old. They could be old, but that's not mm-hmm. what we're talking about. We're talking about season to taste. Small we're talking about the quirks. idea of flavor. Right, yeah, the flavor. Right, mm-hmm. so yeah, so maybe in his 42 years of life, this guy as a farmer, the love of his life left him for an elf. Oh. I don't know. Yeah. I guess we're going fantasy with that one. So, like, maybe, you know, that's a thing. And he doesn't... He's just a little racist, right? Like, he doesn't, like, hate all elves, but he has a mistrust of all elves mm-hmm. or something like that, right? You know? And maybe that leads to some friction in the party. Now you've mm-hmm. come up with this idea of flavor, like, oh, you've got a... You've got a prejudice from your from your jilted lover. No, mm. you're the jilted lover. You've got a prejudice from your breakup, right. from like you know mm-hmm. this experience with your ex, and maybe now you're like, oh, I don't really like the elf right. in my party very much, or, and that yeah. leads to some interesting you know confrontation and argument mm. and stuff. Or you know, a different thing is like maybe um, you survived a helicopter crash, so you just don't like helicopters yeah. anymore. It's like oh. The party wants to travel in a helicopter? No. Yeah. No, 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 no. It'd be really cool. You're doing like a Call of Cthulhu type adventure mm-hmm. and, you know, the agents, the investigators, you know, whatever. They need to go somewhere. They need to do something. And, yeah, maybe your your backstory is you're, uh, you know, an, uh, an Afghan war vet. Helicopter crash. Oh, no, 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 no. Never going to do that. Yeah, I may not be scared of Shuggoths or whatever. I'm I'm down to like hunt the extra planar evil, but I'm not getting on a helicopter. And then if you have to get on a helicopter, it negatively affects you. Mm-hmm. You have to like roll to hold it together or right. something. 
Yeah, and like it doesn't necessarily have to be that maybe, you know, like um, your father's pipe. Yeah. You really like your father's pipe. Uh, and like that's what you use to smoke. So, oh, I killed an orc, pull out my father's pipe, mm-hmm. you know, puff, puff. Puff, puff. Right? And that just like is a little flavor to your role playing, mm-hmm. but it tells everyone else a lot about who you are because it helps them imagine it. It helps them, you know, visualize and you're like, okay, these are the things that he cares about. He thinks about his family. Mm-hmm. He, you know, like he has an heirloom from his father that obviously plays into who he is and why he does what he does. Right. Sprinkle seasoning into your backstory. Because in you know the game master, if you uh, if you crit fail, maybe you break your pipe. Yeah, real great like you know, real great fodder for role playing opportunities. Like now they're furious, or now yeah. they're like, hey, I don't care about the mission right now. Mm-hmm. The next time we get to town, I need a someone. I need to find someone to fix this for me, or right. I need to buy a new one, and. Now the story has taken on a much more personal, yeah, a, an additional depth of like you know personal stakes and realism, where like these characters are not one-dimensional stat blocks and weapons who you know just hit orcs. Mm-hmm. They're you know they're they're characters who inhabit a world that is real and have reasons for doing what they're doing. Yes, um, I would be careful with the seasoning though. Um, don't latch to, because it's just seasoning. Yeah. Right? So, like, if your seasoning is you had a a small rabbit as a pet as a child and really loved it, like, it's it's kind of derailing if, like, every time you're out in the woods, every single time, like, you get to speak, I look for a rabbit, I look for a rabbit. I I want to find a bunny to pet. Well, does that have anything to do with what we're trying to do? And mm-hmm. you might have created a character who you're probably going to end up disliking. Certainly your other players will. And, like, the characters in-game are are going to have some needless tension if you, if you, you know, hammer down too hard on a insignificant aspect of backstory rather than focusing on the adventure at hand. Right, and that's not to say that, like, oh, we're in the wilderness. I pop an investigation to see if there's any bunnies. Oh, there isn't? Okay, great. Yeah. And then let her lie, right? That's fine. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, maybe the game master will pick up that you're looking for rabbits and then, like, throw a rabbit in. And then if they're, you know, kind of a dick GM, maybe one of the other players eats it. And then, you know, then you can have a have a beef. Yeah. You know, got a reason to be mad at each other or something. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's an advantage of uh, keeping it vague and short is it adds room for seasoning, mm-hmm. right, uh, to grow, yeah. if you will, which is what we're going to talk about next, character arcs. Yeah. Because uh, you don't need to write, like, our advice is keep it vague or short, which means it's not going to be a complete backstory. Mm-hmm. It's right? not going to be the, um, you know, well, certainly it could become, but it's not going to be Han Solo's journey mm-hmm. throughout the first Star Wars of, you know, like disinterested smuggler doesn't care but needs the money to making a personal sacrifice to save the day he cares now he cares so hard Mm. um and then he's a general in the next movie that's a that's a jump 
but whatever. whatever. Uh, so character arcs, all right. Also, not necessary. You can have a backstory without an arc, and you can have neither. Yeah. But character arcs are fun. Character arcs can be very fun. Now, something I would say, we're, we're talking about just like the ideas of arcs right now. I want to just put out before we get into it. At this point, it's a collaboration you know, with you and your game master. You can't do this all on your own. You can, you know, like be cowardly in the beginning and learn to, you know, be brave or whatever, but that's still going to have to do at least somewhat with your game master giving you opportunities, you know, to be brave that you fail at and then get better at. Um, that being said, you know, we are talking about why would you bother, you know, trying to bring something like this into the game and how do you do it mm-hmm. on the on the player side when you're coming up with who your character is? Right, um, and you might not need you might not decide what your arc is going to be when you make your character. Right, you don't have to. You can always put in an arc once you start playing. Once you feel out your character, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's fun to grow. You don't know exactly how the sessions are going to go. Um, you're going to level up, which is, I guess, right. That's that's one of the reasons to do a character arc mm-hmm. is it reflects the character stat progression, right? You get better at whatever, right? D and D, you level up, you get to choose attributes yeah, uh, or abilities, better, right? And ability your scores. stats go up at certain levels, or you can choose uh, like a plus one to ability score, right. permanent adjustments. So yeah, having the idea of an arc that your character is going through, you know, like starting in one place narratively and arriving at another, that can be a great way to make those mathematical representations of gameplay also be reflected in the story of who your character is. Yes. Uh, And as is, well, I just, I feel like it's super common um, that... Like, characters start off with this, like, oh, backstory where they're good people and whatever. And then, you know, cut six sessions later, they're just murdering. Yeah. Just like murder, 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 murder. Uh, So that could be, you know, part of your arc is you get a little crazy. You know, adventurers are fucking sickos that just, like, solve their problems with murder. Because usually that's that's how it goes. So, boom, there's your arc right there is I was a law-abiding citizen, and I, you know, the law. And then I did a couple adventures, and you know what? Some people, I'm just going to kill them. Because it's so much easier than, like, trying to save them, and uh, right? So now I'm just a murderer. Yeah, and you've abandoned, basically, Mm -hmm. the idea that you had. Um, So... What are some aspects of of a character arc? What are some things that you should keep in mind when you are coming up with your character and writing this? You know, not necessarily writing out the arc, but setting out the uh, right. the ideas of the progression so, that you want your character, character to character have. Character arcs are a storytelling device, I guess. Right? I don't know. Is that or just uh, device? Whatever. It's an aspect of storytelling. It's I just guess. an aspect yeah. of storytelling. Right? Many characters so, have arcs. Some so characters out, don't. Take out your notebooks because there will be a quiz at the end. Mm-hmm. This is some, yeah. I mean, it's not like highbrow, but it is, I don't know. But some, there like, will be a quiz This at is the some end. creative writing shit. Um, 
we we have a couple examples. Well, so uh, want versus need. Yeah. Right. And I want to I want to start with this sort of caveat. Not all characters need an arc. You can be perfectly fine without it. And uh, you know, there are there are some great examples of characters who utterly lack arcs in popular media, like Indiana Jones, another Harrison Ford character. Han Solo has a great arc in in Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Indiana Jones has no arc. He is the same guy at the beginning and the end. Certainly of Raiders, yes. I, w- I, I would say, you know, his his character has it, like, has little, some nuances. He has a little bit of an arc he, in Crystal Skull, but like... Crystal Skull, a little bit. He has to deal with the idea of being a father. I know a lot of people don't like that movie. I'm a big fan. But uh, he also big has powers. to go through, you know, like... He, he goes through his relationship with his father to some degree. But we're talking about Raiders. In Raiders, he has no arc. He is the same character with the same capabilities throughout that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, the arc of that movie is about, you know, what happens and where they go. Characters don't really, like, learn or change. They're just, like, interesting and, and, and charming on screen. But an arc can also be really compelling for your character, a character development arc. So, so if you want to have an arc. Yeah, if you want to, this is kind of the main idea that sort of defines it. And I've, I've, I've heard this in terms of acting. I've heard this as a writing uh, thing to make sure that you hit. And it's the idea of want versus need. Take that. Take a note of that. Take a note. Yeah. It will be on the test. So your character has something that they want. And something that they need and usually when it comes to the idea of like characters progressing through a arc of development it's about them finding out what they need and then reconciling that with what they want Mm -hmm. because usually it's not the same thing rarely because otherwise it's not very interesting yeah so uh our first example um pretty cool book series by nicholas ames Kings of the Wild and Bloody Rose are the two. I don't know if there's a third one on the way. But it's a very, like, D&D-inspired, explicitly, unironically... Unapologetically. Yeah. (laughs) Dungeons & Dragons book series. Even more so than, like, the official Dungeons & Dragons books. Mm. You know, like, Driz Duarden doesn't know he's in a (laughs) game. These characters kind of act like they are in a game. In, in Kings well, of the Wild. Well, they're in a band. In Bloody Rose. Yeah, the idea of, like, a party of characters is... An adventuring band. Yeah, is, is right. like, personified and, like, codified in the rules of the world that they're in. All the, like, different classes have, you know, real-world thing. Like, people are D&D classes, basically, yeah. and that's their role in society. And it's very... It's very unapologetically derivative of the role-playing game formula. But... So the the second one, Bloody, Bloody Rose. Rose. Yeah, uh, it's uh, follows. She's not the main character, uh, but Bloody Rose is a character, mm. um, and she's actually the daughter of one of the main characters from the first book. From the first book, who is like one of the most famous adventurers of all time. Right. So she lives in her father's shadow for being one of the greatest adventurers of all time. Mm. 
right? So that's like what her want is, is to yeah. be the best badass, she, to be more badass than her dad Yeah, was. she wants so badly to like be out of that shadow and she wants to be the best there ever was. And what that leads her down is a, um, you know, kind of like unhealthy and self-destructive path. It's it's really fun the way like these adventuring parties and bands are categorized like or they're they're described like rock stars, you know, on tour. Mm-hmm. And her tours are a lot of self-destruction where she like really turns it on for the show to, you know, fight monsters and then she's just like fucking down on right. it. So and through use of drugs. There's yeah, some drug there's some drugs and alcohol and, and unhealthy relationships and stuff, but like that's her thing. She wants to be the best badass. Mm-hmm. She wants to step out of this shadow. And in doing so, she's actively harming herself because what she really needs is like a hug. She needs to learn to accept. I will I will say one know, point in her favor is the and they get into this in the first book. The world changed so much from when her dad was the greatest adventurer. That's true. To when she is in her adventuring prime. Yeah. So thing worth considering. She's the, trying to be the best, right. the best adventurer well, in terms of in the terms take, of like a not to take know. it to real. It's like a, a millennial trying to live up to their baby boomer parents' success. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Like. It's just you know, like the you the world can't. is different. The fucking the numbers are different, mm-hmm. and you just can't achieve the same thing for the same amount of effort. Yes. So you gotta give in more. You gotta be more dangerous. Is yeah. what it is. And yeah, self destructive. So she wants to be the biggest badass. What she really needs is a hug and to like accept who she is because she is just fine the way she is, mm-hmm. but to the detriment of herself and everyone around her, she you know she won't accept that. Mm-hmm. And also, you know, uh, recognize that, like, the... Because she's got uh, a partner, and they actually have a kid. And, like, mm. all a partner wants to do is just, like, settle down and, yeah, like... Yeah, I kind of forgot about that. fine. Because she she's has, like, no, we got to do one more tour, one more. She has a chip on her shoulder about what a bad dad her dad was. Golden gave the best adventurer ever from the previous <laughs> generation. She has such a chip on her shoulder about what a shitty dad he was, and... She might be the worst mom yeah. <laughs> ever. <laughs> like, so absent and so... Uh, anyway. But, yeah. But so, she does grow. Yeah, she grows over the course of it. And, you know, it's there's the, you know, semi-satisfying arc. We'll talk about that series more at the end of this episode, I think. Yeah, okay. We're, we'll leave a time block for that. But, anyways, by the end of it, she, you know, there's this big battle and shit kind of goes wrong and whatever. But then she's she finally realizes what she needed mm-hmm. was to stop adventuring and just be a mom. Yeah. And not to, like, reduce her identity to that, but yeah, just, like, okay. to... <laughs> Truth. Well, to find yeah, self-acceptance. Yeah, yeah. And self-acceptance. That, right. That's why I think it's a really good example of want versus need because mm-hmm. usually... You know, the need, the want could be anything. The want is usually mm-hmm. external well, and self-destructive. And also, actually, she finds her want because she's better than... She ends up, well, at least on the path, because we don't know if there's a next book or whatever. Yeah. But she... Because her kid is small. So after the big battle and she just goes into the woods with her partner and kid just to be, you know, focus on the kid, she's fulfilling that want of being a better... A better parent, Golden yeah. Gabe, right? Right, Golden Gabe, the best adventurer ever was. 
maybe where she can surpass him is being a better parent. Yeah. That's what she needed. She needed to be better than her father, but just not in the way she wanted. Yeah. Um, so. Anyways. Yeah. Another example, and we're going to, we're going to dissect the ideas a little bit more here because this example might be a little more, um, universal and accessible. Yes. We're going to talk about, uh, we're going to talk about everyone's favorite banished prince. Prince Zuko. Zuko! You know, owner of the best redemption arc in, in ever. storytelling history, probably. You know. Or maybe not the best redemption arc ever, but the uh, the best executed, mm-hmm. I would say. Sure. In terms of how the show actually delivered. Yeah. So, Zuko has a want and a need. His want is to get his honor back and to recapture the Avatar and, you know, to, like, win his father's approval right, and his place in the what, Fire Nation. That's what he thinks is going to make him happy. That's what he thinks is life, important. Right? So, usually the want is something unhealthy but feels good. And it's also usually an external thing. The want and the need are usually external versus internal. Right. That's why I think Bloody Rose was a good example because her need is can be boiled down to the idea of, like, self-acceptance. Mm-hmm. And most needs can. Yes. And not necessarily, like, you know, accept yourself the way you are, but, like, actually recognize the thing that needs to change. Generally change, speaking, right. it's something you need to... Uh, it's something you need to do internally, and it's not something that you can find or win out in the world mm-hmm. that will fix everything for you. Right. So, but, yes. Zuko, right... Uh, primary motivator is to find the Avatar, restore his honor. Mm-hmm. Uh, great example for writing your own stuff. The want is usually the thing that actually like motivates your actions. You act in accordance with the thing that you think you want. Mm-hmm. He wants to find the Avatar. He's got a boat. He's got a crew. Mm-hmm. He actively hunts the Avatar. That right. drives his behavior and that's why he ends up in all and, the places he and it's hard to get away from mm. right because if you're right so now they're refugees right there they're enemies of the the fire nation and, or wait enemies of the shit whatever i was trying to do an yes yeah, what yeah. what uncle iroh says yeah, yeah. fugitives of the fire fugitives nation and enemies, enemies of the of earth, earth kingdom because yeah. they're you know they're they'd be state prisoners right so they go to bossing say zuko still can't let it go Mm-hmm. He does a little bit, right? He lets Appa go, and you think it's all cool, but then battle under the you know, under the palace in the crystal catacombs or whatever, mm-hmm. he chooses his side. The Crossroads of Destiny. Crossroads of Destiny, that's, that's the, what the episode yeah. title is. So, the want is usually the primary motivator, and it's really hard to get away from, even when you start to recognize that the want is not the same as the need. And then, uh, you know... The need being something that's not physically tangible, that's not external. It's something usually a lot harder that you have to do within yourself. Um, You know, it becomes easier to do the want instead. Harder to do the thing that needs to be done. And keeping that... Keeping that idea in mind, we we deep-dived on a couple characters just here, but uh, you can apply that really simple concept want versus need want drive your action want drives your actions need won't be realized unless you like you know 
introspect a little bit. And I think I think we should avoid talking about Zuko's knee because it's about to you gonna make, make you cry. Gonna make, I'm already <laughs> there, right? But like, oh, mm-hmm. oh my god. <laughs> so a bit of advice, I guess we we talked about the the specifics of want versus need and how that is kind of like the main thing that you need for a character arc if you want a character that has an arc. You don't have to know the need yet. Right. You start with the want. Mm -hmm. Start with the want and have it be tangible. you got to regain your honor by doing such and such. You have a Mm -hmm. specific goblin that you need to kill. Mm -hmm. Uh, you got to find your wife's killer. Yeah. Because then, once you start down the road to that, you find your need along the way. Mm-hmm. And this is, I guess, you know, we've we've strayed from being specifically about role playing games in terms yeah. of this. This is just writing advice, well, that's storytelling why you're taking advice. Out your pencils and you know writing notes. Because mm-hmm. this is no longer you know a fun podcast of like, oh, let's listen to talking about role playing. It's there will be a test at the end. This is now a writing class. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but so I think that's very important with um, role playing is. Start with the one and figure out what your need is later. Yeah. Because if you start with both, if you start with your whole idea of a character arc from session zero, it's not going to go great. Because, one, there's scheduling issues. Uh, Maybe that campaign goes nowhere. Yeah. Maybe, like, it just might not work out. Mm. But if you start with the the want, then you will have... Mm direction for how to play your character in the beginning because then you know some stuff happens and you know the other players bring in some stuff you don't expect and the game master throws you a curveball and you didn't see that coming if you have a strict like need that you're working towards then it could the game master could make your need irrelevant maybe or like unattainable or something something i don't know right uh, so yeah, wait to find the need until you get an idea for the character. Yeah, you, you play a couple sessions. Let me give one more example before we wrap up. Um, and this will be fresh to Dane because we haven't talked about this. Uh, last episode we mentioned my brother Enzo uh, again, so he's going to be coming back from his job in Alaska in a couple months, and he's all stoked to run a new campaign for us when he gets back. And he's told us a little bit about it, and I had some ideas. And without giving, you know, too much away or, you know, backing myself in any corners, this is the idea that I've come up with. I'm going to be playing a warlock whose uh, who's want, because, you know, this is how he has warlock powers, his want is going to be gathering these relics of his patron so that he can, like, bring his patron back into the real world. His patron's going to be, you know, some, like, ghostly or astral something. And the want that he has is to gather all the pieces, like the Dragon Balls or something, and bring it back into the real world. I don't know what his need is yet, Mm -hmm. because I haven't played him yet, so I don't know him super well. In the beginning, we might be enemies, Mm. because I'm also going to be a warlock (laughs) in this adventure, and it was kind of a... Uh, well, it was sticking point. It was bothering Enzo. Enzo when we were talking about it. He was like, "That's too many warlocks." Like, yeah. well, that's what you got. <laughs> so, 
my my warlock was going to be begrudgingly warlock. Ah. Their want is to stop being a warlock. I don't know what their need is yet either. Mm-hmm. But like they were only a warlock because they needed to be to like do a thing. Right, you know, revenge or whatever. Mm-hmm. Right, and you know, needed. I I mix up the. T- they wanted revenge, so they became a warlock. Right. Now they got revenge, and Dude. it doesn't. Feel and they good. don't want to be a warlock no and more. And now they're like, I fucked up. In. Yeah. I fucked up. So then, yeah. So the want is to get out of it. Yes. That's fun. So yeah, want. That's really easy to come up with. That's going to directly drive how you play the game. The mm. need is something I'm going to find later. Maybe I like start to really care about my players. Maybe my patron asked me to do, or not my players, my right. my fellow party members. Yeah. Maybe my patron asked me to do something that you know might harm one of them, and now I have to be like, oh, oh, juggle. Do, yeah. Do I stick with this? What do I do? What do I get to? You know, if I abandon this path, what do I keep? The need is something that I don't know yet, mm-hmm. but I'm gonna find it, and it's gonna be fun. It's gonna be fun. All right, so. Uh, that's probably going to come back. Uh, that's going to sound horrible on the recording. That's all right. Let's Anyways. recap this bitch. Yes. So, uh, why even have a backstory in the first place? Uh, because it's not necessary. Well, why you would is because it makes for interesting stories. Mm-hmm. It helps the GM. Yep. Informs your actions as a player. It takes a piece of paper that is numbers and, you know, dice rolls, and it it gives it, you know, deeper meaning. It, yes. it you know it stops your character from being reduced to what they can do in combat by rolling dice. Right. It reduce it stops them from being just a stat block, right? Mm-hmm. All right. So now that we've convinced you to write a backstory, yeah, definitely do. You probably already wanted to, but but now do it uh, anyway. Components of a good backstory, right? So definitely make sure to keep the tone of the story, mm-hmm. not just setting, but like the tone of what the adventure is going to be. And this is a crucial point of communication mm-hmm. between you and your game master. Yes. Um, if you're level one, your backstory is probably going to be short. That's okay mm-hmm. because your story is just beginning. Keep it short. That will lead to you not being disappointed. If you're not level one or you're playing a system where leveling isn't that big of a deal, Keep the specifics vague so you can fill them in later right. as they become relevant. So you you and the Game Master can add seasoning, uh, and the Game Master can jive off ideas off of you. Mm. Right? So keep it vague. Right? Don't necessarily need to know who was, uh, you know, what sides of the battle you were on, but just you were in a battle. Right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and then character arcs. Right? Uh, again... Not a necessary part nope. to role-playing, but a very fun one. Uh, mechanically, it can reflect uh, stat progression. So, yeah. like, uh, my character grows as they get more powerful. Yeah. Right? And also, my character grows more like a murdering psychopath as they get more powerful. Same thing. So, they can get better and they can get worse. Mm-hmm. Right. We talked about the components of character arc. And while there is more nuance to this idea, it really boils down to, you know, if you want to write a compelling character, they have a want. Mm -hmm. They have the thing that they're trying to do, and that is external and tangible. And then they have the need, and maybe they don't know what that is yet. Or maybe someone's told them, but they don't buy it yet. Mm -hmm. You know, Iroh tried to tell Zuko kind of a bunch, 
but he had to find it out for himself. He had to like have it within his hands mm-hmm. to be like, oh shit, this doesn't actually make me happy. Now my arc continues. I'm gonna make you cry. Sad. That's the end. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, <laughs> start with the want. You'll find the need later. That's going to do it. For before, this episode of yeah. Two-Headed Game Master. <laughs> uh, visit us at 2HGM.com. We have a uh, contact at the bottom there for uh, for feedback and you know whatever else. We also have the Eclipse Engine and several other things. We have uh, RPG Lite and we have a Dungeon Creator Worksheet all available for free. For free all the time. Also, Patreon, mm-hmm. uh, support us. If you like what we do, we'd love a buck. Um, join us next time for another episode of Two-Headed Game Master. Real quick. Well, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, Kings of the Wilds mm-hmm. um, and the follow-up Bloody Rose, right? We already talked about Bloody Rose a little bit. Uh, but Kings of the Wilds, um, author is... Nicholas Ames. Thank you so very much. E-A-M-E-S. Uh, both books are available... Or, so both books that are out right now, Bloody Rose and Kings of the Wild. Kings of the Wild is the first one about a group of retired adventurers who have to come out of retirement to save the day. Getting the band back together. And Bloody Rose is about the daughter and the next generation of that... Uh, that adventuring legacy, having kind of a miserable time. And it looks like the uh, third one proposed for release this year is the third band. Don't know anything about that. Interesting. I would be interested to read it. Kings of Wild is really great. Um, Because, yeah, it's unapologetically Dungeons & Dragons. It talks about party... Create, like formation yeah and, like, party makeup uh, it makeup. like it's more than just you know like how you would define a character on a mm. character sheet it's like roles in society the uh, adventuring bands the mm. parties they are they're like rock stars in the world they you know do adventures and get famous and it's a huge part of like the society and the cultural makeup um i didn't like bloody rose nearly as much as kings of the wild but a third one coming out, I'm I'm on board for it. It might have just been a bit of a sophomore slump. Mm-hmm. Kings of the Wild absolutely kicks ass. Yes, and maybe you know Bloody Rose is. Uh, I mean, I think Bloody Rose is well written, just as much yeah. as the first one. Mm-hmm. I just the the story didn't really grip me as much mm-hmm. as Kings of the Wild, but uh, you know maybe you find it the opposite or whatever. I don't know what I know. Yeah. Or wait, no. What you don't know. Yeah. Whatever. All right. That about does it. Uh, Thank you to the Burning Saviors for the use of their song, Pond Hill is Finest, as the intro and outro for our show. And we will see you next time. See you when I stop crying about Zuko. So, like, yeah, next time. (laughs) You'll still be crying. (laughs) Yeah.